let's jump into the message. We're in this series, Silent Night. And as I've said, I really have a burden for this series. I don't want this just to be another nice message or a nice moment in church. But this is more heart surgery. This is going to be very challenging, but I want you to know I'm fighting for you. I, I really, th- this line in the song, Silent Night, sleep in heavenly peace. I don't want that to just be a beautiful phrase that you sing, but I want it to be something you experience this season, that, that it actually becomes a reality in your life because it is available to you. This Christmas, God, more than anything, wants to bless you with peace. He wants to give you the Christmas gift of peace. Last week, week number one, we and I encourage you, if you missed it, watch it on our video page or, or listen to it online. We began looking at the concept peace on earth. And what we discovered is this phrase, peace on earth, that we love and we put it on signs and Christmas cards. What we discovered is it's only mentioned one time in the entire Bible and it's not in the Christmas story. It's actually in Luke chapter 12 when Jesus says, do you think that I came to bring peace on earth? No, I tell you, but division. I thought that would make a great Christmas card. So this whole concept of peace on earth, what we discovered doesn't exist. In fact, what the Christmas story actually says about peace is this. Suddenly, a great company of the heavenly host appeared with the angel praising God and saying, glory to God in the highest and on earth peace. There'll never be peace on earth, but on earth there is peace, but it's available to men and women in whom his favor rests. So the reality is there's never going to be peace on this earth, but on this earth you can have peace if God's favor rests on your life. I mean, if you just look at history in the last 3,510 years on planet earth and the recorded history that we have, We have had over 14,351 wars. 3.6 billion people have died through those conflicts. We have had over 8,000 peace treaties on planet Earth, and not one of them has been fulfilled. That's the reality. Uh, There's never going to be peace on this Earth. Only God can give you peace. So Jesus says it like this in John chapter 14. I'm leaving you with a gift. Here's the Christmas gift God wants to give every single one of you this year. This is what Jesus desperately wants you to receive, a gift. And and look, I know it's cliche. I know this is what kind of a pastor is supposed to say to you during the holidays. But I'm telling you, my dream, what I I am really believing for is that on December 26th, when somebody asks you, what'd you get? You can honestly look at them, and you may you know, talk about some of the things you unwrapped under a tree, but you can honestly say, you know, this Christmas, what I received more than anything else was peace. I've, I've never experienced peace the way I'm feeling it right now. And more than anything, I want you to be able to say that. And here's what Jesus says. I want you to have peace of mind and heart. And I love this. And the peace I give isn't fragile like the peace the world gives. Like the, the world has a version of peace. It just doesn't work. It's temporary, it's short-lived, it, 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 doesn't, it doesn't have a lasting effect. But his peace isn't fragile, so don't be troubled or afraid. So here's what I want to do. I want to develop one point from last week. Last week, we, we looked at a number of things to develop peace in our life. And I want to develop one point for one of the major reasons why many of us aren't more 
peaceful. Like, like why? why? Why do many of us have sleepless nights? Why do many of us struggle with anxiety and depression and fear? And the answer is people. How many know this world would be so much better without all the people? Like, literally, the majority of every problem we deal with is because of people. A couple weeks ago, I was at home, and I was in my home office, and I had the worship going. I was reading my one-year Bible, and I was just like, man, I was feeling God. I don't know if you've ever been in that moment where it's like everything's perfect, and, and like every, the, the sky is bluer than it's ever been, and you can hear the birds chirping, and I'm, just, I'm in this state of just prayer and worshiping. God, you're awesome, and I just praise you, and great I am, and I'm just, just singing and, and, and worshiping, and I get in my car, and I'm, I'm driving to the church, driving to work, and I turn on the worship in the car because I want to stay in this atmosphere of praise, and I'm just driving down the road, great I am, just, just singing down the road, and all of a sudden, somebody cuts me off and almost runs me off the road. And I would like to say your pastor handled it well. I mean, I literally went from this moment of worship, this atmosphere of praise, this like I'm in touch with God to, what are you doing, you idiot? I mean, it's just like, I mean, you, we're not actually saying anything out loud. We're just mouthing it because we, we know they can't hear us. I mean, you're like, ah, I mean, I mean, don't act like you haven't done it. We've all done it. I mean, my wife is always fussing at me. She's like, you know you pastor in this community, don't you? One, one of those days it's going to be, I mean, one of the days it's going to be you guys and I'm going to be busted and, and all in trouble. So... You know, I know you wish I was more peaceful, but I'm working on it. And it's just like in that moment, you know, lost my peace. I mean, people can take your peace away. I remember a couple years ago, we were in the holiday season here at Coastline Church, and we had our, like, Christmas Eve church service sign up and our Christmas tree lot sign and, and all these different signs and banners. And it just, it, it turned it, and honestly, I admit it looked bad. It looked like a flea market. But at the time, we were, like, trying to help people, and we loved it all, and and, and somebody in the community just got really upset because of all the signs on campus and started, you know, writing nasty letters to the church and then reported us to the city and the city started threatening to fine us. And I got to admit, man, I reacted. I mean, I was ready to go to war. I'm like, call the lawyer. We are fighting this thing. It's like, how dare them attack what we're doing? We're, I mean, it literally just in a moment, my peace was taken away. And see, what I've got to start to realize is hurting people hurt people. David, in the Bible, wrote an entire psalm about how mean people can be and and, and how people will rob you of your peace. David says, I'm tired. I'm tired of living among people who hate peace. I search for peace, but when I speak of peace, all they want is war. Ever felt like that? Ever felt like my, my family, all they want to do is argue and fight and bicker? I mean, they don't want peace. They just want to argue at the dinner table. Ever felt like my coworkers? It's like, you know, all I want is some peace and quiet, and all they want to do is argue. It's like there's no peace at all. Like our, we live in a nation that all we want to do is fight each other. I mean, we're so divided, and it's like let's fight each other, and let's argue, and let's, you know, let's develop whole news channels for each faction of America, and it's just, it's like we live in this world where it's like nobody wants peace, we just want to fight. And, and, and look, I know what you want me to do today. You want me to give a beautiful message on conflict resolution. Like you want to learn some great techniques and tools on how to resolve issues. And, you know, the Bible actually does teach a lot about resolution and how you can work things out with other people and resolve things. But today is not about conflict resolution. We're not, we're not, we're not at all going to be dealing with conflict resolution today. Because, again, according to world history, we've had an average of four wars per year over the last 3,500 years. 
So here's the question. Let's, let's just assume for a moment it's not going to get better. Let's assume your situation's not going to change. Let, let's assume the circumstances aren't going to get better for you. Like, like it's going to get more difficult. The question is, can we still have peace anyways? And the answer is yes. So look, if your life never gets better, if your family gets more difficult to be around, if your coworkers become more challenging and your boss becomes more demanding and that situation is not going to be resolved with that person, can we have peace anyways? You know, in 1945, the United Nations was formed and their charter was to provide peace for all succeeding generations. I mean, no, they failed miserably. See, the problem was their expectation was wrong. There's no such thing as peace on earth. I, I love the famous quote that says, peace is that glorious moment in history where people stop fighting long enough to reload. <laughs> Some of you get that later, but I mean, that's, that's the reality of it, is, is we live in a world where there's very little peace. So how can we have peace in an unpeaceful world? Well, let me give you the progression of war. And I'm not talking about, you know, physical war. I'm talking about relational war, like war between you and your spouse, war between brothers and sisters, war between family, war between coworkers. just the relational wars that we go through where we, we, we end up, you know, in, in this peaceful relationship and all of a sudden we're complete odds with each other. Because I think if you can understand the progression of how it happens, you can then stop it in the middle of it. Here's the first thing. When a conflict happens, distance occurs. The first thing is distance. This happens in marriage. It happens in families. It happens between parents and children. You see things differently. You don't see eye to eye. You, you have a difference of opinion. You have a disagreement. And then all of a sudden, this distance occurs. And then what we do as, as, as humans, as, as just our human nature, is we want to protect ourselves from them abusing us or misusing us or mistreating us or, or hurting us again. So what do we do next? We build walls. The next step in this progression is we build walls. We begin to say things like, nobody will ever hurt me that way again. Like, I'm going to protect myself. They're not going to do it again. Here's the problem with walls. We even get to the place where we build walls with God. We think God should do it like this. God does it differently, and all of a sudden, walls go up. And then after walls, the next step is escalation. We escalate the problem. Something that was actually pretty simple and pretty easy to fix now becomes much, much bigger. And we see it all the time in the counseling here at our church. But the problem is the people who are in the middle of it, they can't see it. And these simple problems now grow to this place where they almost become unmanageable. And here's the danger of allowing things to escalate. The, the danger is when it, when, when it becomes bigger than it actually is, what happens is you begin to believe the lie. And that's the devil's number one tool. And so the next step is false belief. You begin to buy into a lie about the situation. And this is very troubling as a pastor. Because there's many people that we're trying to help who literally can't see it. And they'll even use scripture with us. Like especially in marriage, like, like, like we can't get along. It doesn't, God wants me to be happy. I shouldn't be in this marriage. And, and, and the grass is greener on the other side. Can, can I just give you a bit of wisdom as your pastor? If the grass is greener on the other side, the water bill's higher. 
The grass isn't greener on the other side. The grass is greener where you water it. You're just trading one set of problems for another set of problems. You've bought into this false play. You may be sincere about what you believe, but you're believing a lie because you allowed it to escalate. And then from false belief, it turns into hostility. You become hostile. You become angry. Let me explain something about hostility to you. And this may take you aback at first, but if you think about it, it's absolutely true. Hostility is not an emotion you feel towards another person. But it's a condition of your own soul. See, hostility has nothing to do with what they did to you. It's not about the other person. Hostility is a condition of who you are. Are you at peace in your own soul? Now that person you thought you were punishing by being hostile towards them, they're actually holding you hostage and torturing you, and you have no peace in your soul, and they've moved on with their life. Some, some of you, unfortunately, and we're going to deal with this, are actually hostile to people who aren't even alive anymore. But every time you think of them, every time you hear their name, anger and hostility wells up. So hostility has nothing to do with them. It's a condition of your own soul. Are you at peace? That's why David says in Psalm 42, why, my soul, are you so downcast? Why, soul, are you so disturbed within me? And then where hostility will lead you to is war. War is the last step. So I've titled this message War and Peace, but it won't be as long as the novel, so don't get nervous. But the reality is some of you are at war today. And you're not just at war with another person. You're actually at war with yourself. I mean, you have this war, this conflict raging in your soul, and you have no peace. You can't sleep. You've got all this turmoil inside. You're at war with others. And don't get mad at me, but some of you are even at war with God. See, when you're at war inside of yourself, and you're at war with others, what that means is you're actually at war with God. Because if you don't have peace in your soul, you don't have peace with God. Because there are areas of your life not submitted to him. See, when that person began to attack our church and had all this hostility and all this, like, let's fight, let's... It had nothing to do with what they were doing. What it revealed was there was areas of me that weren't submitted to God. Because instead of handling it with prayer and concern and love, I went a different direction. So it had nothing to do with what they were doing. It was, it was me that wasn't submitted to God. As followers of Jesus, we have to constantly learn to submit and obey God. Let me show you James chapter 3, and let me just warn you now, this kind of slams all of us a little bit, so there's the warning. He says, if you harbor, that word harbor is key. Like if you allow that ship to dock at your port and stay there, if you harbor bitter envy and selfish ambition in your hearts, do not boast about it. But isn't that what we do? Like any time we get angry, what do we do? We immediately pick up their phone, the phone and call our friend. You can't believe what they did. All we're doing is boasting about it. Well, well, they were wrong. I'm right. You don't understand. I have a right to talk about it. I have a right to complain about it. I have a right. I, you don't know what they did or how they treated me. Don't boast about it. Don't boast about what they did. 
Or he says, deny the truth. I'm about to give you three truths today that are guaranteed to bring you into peace. But unfortunately, there are people here this morning who are going to walk out of here and say, I can't do that. What are you doing? You're denying the truth. You're denying the truth that could actually allow you to sleep like a baby at night. And you're going to see the truth, and because it's too difficult, because it's too hard, because you don't like it, you'll actually deny the truth, and you'll continue to live disturbed in your soul. He goes on to say, such wisdom, that doesn't come from heaven. See, we have a wisdom in our culture today. There is a wisdom in our generation that says, you need to get even. You need to get them back. You need to sue them. That's not fair. you you got to stand up for yourself. That's not a wisdom that comes from heaven. It is earthly, it is unspiritual, and it is actually of the devil. And then look at this. For where you have envy and selfish ambition, there you find disorder. You want to know why there's so much turmoil, why your soul isn't at peace, why there's all this disorder going on on the inside? Because you're buying into a wisdom that doesn't work. So the question is, what do we do? How do we settle this war on the inside? How can, how can I deal with this conflict going on so I can sleep at night, so that, that sleep in heavenly peace becomes a reality for me? Well, this is what Jesus came for. He came to give you peace. One of the primary reasons Jesus died and gave his life and gives you his spirit and his presence is so that you have peace. Look at this, Ephesians 2. Remember that at that time, You were separated from Christ. You didn't have any peace at all because you didn't have Christ. You were without hope. You were without God in the world. But now, but now, in other words, when Jesus comes into your life, things are going to be different. Let me say it like this. If your life was a mess and then you gave your life to Jesus and nothing changed, you didn't really accept Jesus. This isn't a club. This isn't a club. But now, when Jesus comes in, Things are going to be different. But now, in Christ Jesus, you who were once far away, you have been brought near through the blood of Christ. Look at this. For he himself is our peace. I'm going to deal with this next week. One of the things you need to know, peace isn't something God gives you. Peace is Jesus. Like when you have Jesus, you have peace. When, 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 when he's, he's with you and you've got an open relationship to him, there is peace in your life. It's not something he gives. It's who he is. For he himself is our peace, who has made the two one and has destroyed the barrier, the dividing wall of hostility. And Paul was literally dealing with some some Gentile Christians and some Jewish Christians that were fighting. And Paul was like, knock it off, cut it out. This is not what Christians are supposed to do. So here we go. How? How? How do we get this peace? So I'm going to tell you right now, if you will buy into these three truths, if you will practice and apply them, you will guaranteed have peace. But I'm going to tell you right now in advance, you're not going to like any one of these. You're not going to like it. Like these are going to be tough. These are going to be very, very difficult. I'm telling you, if you'll buy into it and trust me, you're going to discover peace. But I'm warning you, you're not going to like any of these. Here's the first one. You won't find peace until you make peace. And notice that key word, make Listen, we're not just trying to get along with other people. We are settling issues in our heart. 
that we have with other people. Like you're, some of the things you're struggling with, you're never going to resolve. Like they're dead. They're gone. Like there's no way for conflict resolution to happen for you. Like there's issues in your life where it's not going, they're not going to change. They're never going to admit they're wrong. They're never going to tell you they're sorry. They're never going to ask you for forgiveness. We're not talking about resolution. We're talking about you finding peace in your heart. See, the moment I settled in my heart, what I really felt about this person that was attacking our church. The moment I began to see them the way God sees them. The moment I began to let compassion rule me. The moment I began to submit to God's way and understand our war isn't against people. It's against principalities and spirits of this unseen world. The moment I did that, the moment I submitted, peace came over me. Peace over the situation came over me. So let's go back to James chapter 3 and let's pick up. He goes on to say, but the wisdom that comes from heaven. So now we're talking about the wisdom that will bring you peace is first of all pure. I love that word pure. That, that word represents salvation. When you, when you accept Jesus Christ, you become pure. Like you become righteous. All, all, all the sin and the garbage is, is completely washed away. But I want you to look at the first result after becoming pure. Look at the first thing that happens when you become pure. Then peace loving. Peace loving. You, you become peace loving after you find Christ. Considerate, submissive, full of mercy and good fruit, impartial and sincere. Now look at this. Peacemakers who sow in peace raise a harvest of righteousness. See, the result of peacemaking is things are made right. When you make peace, things are made right. And the, and the opposite is also true. When you bring in righteousness, when you bring in God's right standard to anything, there will be peace. Like if you'll bring in God's righteous standard to your marriage, your marriage will have peace. If you bring in God's righteous standard to your finances, your finances will have peace. It works both ways. Matthew 5 verse 9, Jesus says, blessed are the peacemakers. Now this word blessed, the, the, the New Testament was written in the original Greek language. And, and Greek is a very descriptive language, much more descriptive than English. So the word blessed, there's actually two different Greek words that this could be. There's the word eulogia, which is material blessing, physical blessing, like houses, cars, money. And then there's the word makarios, which literally means happy. This word blessed is the word makarios. He's saying you will be happy when you make peace. Like you will sleep better. You will have heavenly peace. You are going to be happier when you make peace. And peacemakers are the ones that are actually going to be the children of God. The ones who make peace are, are the ones who really are the children of God. So even when all the circumstances are bad, even if nothing gets better this holiday season, you're going to have eternal joy, internal and eternal joy. So if you want to make peace or if you want to find peace, you have to make peace. You've got to settle the issue once and for all. Now, how do we do that? Like how? OK, if I need to make peace to find peace, how do I make peace? Glad you asked. Number two, you make peace through reconciliation. The way you are going to make peace is to reconcile. Reconciliation. Now, what does this word reconcile mean? Well, it, it's an accounting term. We do this with our bank statements and our checkbook. Like you get your checkbook out and your bank statements, whether you do it on like a Quicken or Excel or numbers spreadsheets, you get all your spreadsheets and you begin to reconcile everything. And if you reconcile it correctly, hopefully you will get to a zero 
balance. And that's the goal is you want a zero balance. Zero balance means you've done it all right. Like, like you don't want a negative balance. That means you're going into debt. That's bad. You want a zero balance, meaning you've done everything right. Well, that's what it's talking about here. It's talking about reconcile. Bring the balance to zero. Whose balance? Their balance. The one that hurts you. The one that abused you. The one that sinned against you. Give them a zero balance. Aaron, you're talking gibberish. That's crazy. You don't understand what they did. You don't understand what I've been through. See, this is why 1 Corinthians 13, the whole chapter on love, says love keeps no record of wrongs. Love doesn't hold a balance against people. Love keeps a zero balance. Like, if you want a better marriage, let me give you some advice to have a better marriage today. Like, like literally, you can apply this today and see immediate results. Stop eliminate the phrases in your family, you always and you never, and you'll have a better marriage immediately. Like just get rid of those two phrases, you always and you never, and immediately your marriage will go up. See, love is a zero balance. Reconciliation is a zero balance. And I'm saying this for you, not for them. I'm not trying to say what they did was okay. I'm not saying what they did wasn't that big a deal. I'm not saying what they did didn't hurt. I'm saying for your sake, if you want peace, if you want to be able to sleep at night, make peace. And to do that, you're going to have to give them a zero balance. Bring the balance to zero. And can I say, aren't you glad that's what Jesus did for us? Aren't you glad that Jesus didn't resolve our sins? Like, if you work really hard and and, and if you do good enough, then maybe, just maybe, I'll let you go to heaven. I am so grateful Jesus didn't try to resolve our sins. I am grateful Jesus reconciled our sins, that he literally brought our balance to zero. Apart from our effort, apart from what we could do, apart from our works, he brought our balance to zero so that when I stand before God one day in heaven, it says paid in full. No matter what I do from here on out, paid in full. He will not count it against me. Let me me show you this in Scripture. All of this is from God. So I want you to know this truth is from God. This is not something I'm making up. This is from God. And it works because he created you. Like he created you. He wrote the owner's manual. So if you've got an issue like like not sleeping at night, not having peace, go to the owner's manual and it will tell you how to fix it. All of this is from God who reconciled us to himself through Christ. So he gave us a zero balance through Christ. Like, Like Christ went to the cross. He paid it. He paid what you owed so that you can receive a zero balance. And now look at this. He gave us the ministry of reconciliation. So now that he gave you a zero balance, he's giving you the job of giving others a zero balance. Basically, he's saying, if I did it for you, I want you to do it for others. And God has a hard time when people can't give to others what God has given to them. He goes on to say, God was reconciling the world to himself in Christ. Now he gives us the definition for reconciliation. If you want, I'm giving you like my definition, zero balance. Let me give you God's definition, which means the same thing. Not counting men's sins against them. This is God's definition for reconciliation. Not counting men's sins against them. I'm giving them a zero balance. I'm not going to hold their past against them. I'm not going to hold what they did against them. I am going to give them a zero balance no matter what 
it was. And then he goes on to say, and he has committed to us the message of reconciliation, giving people zero balance. We are therefore Christ's ambassadors. This is our job. We are to spread the message of zero balance. We are, to, we are to allow people in our life who have hurt us and betrayed us at work and bosses and family members and spouses, we are to bring their balance to zero. Now, look, I'm not saying that there's not a place to resolve things. But again, we're not talking about resolving the conflict today. We're talking about your soul being at rest. We're talking about you being able to sleep at night. So one day, go resolve it if the opportunity permits and the time comes. But until then, bring the balance to zero so that your soul can be at rest. Because you're the one that's going to sleep better at night. And I know some of you are still wrestling over this. And you're like, I just can't grasp that. Well, you're never going to understand that one until, number three, you can't reconcile until you've been reconciled. The truth is, if, you, if you're struggling to forgive people, what's really going on is you're struggling to be forgiven. Like, if there's someone that hurt you and betrayed you and you are having the hardest time bringing their balance to zero, it's because you're having a hard time receiving a zero balance from Christ. Because the forgiven forgive. The way we reconcile others is we receive reconciliation. Like, when, when, when we receive the gift of zero balance when when i fully and see this 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 is one of the problems of our community here in north county one of the things i've said often is the greatest sin of this community is our goodness we're so good we don't need god like we're good people like good families good jobs good houses you know we go to church once a week because it's a good thing to do the problem is most of us really didn't feel like god had to forgive all that much like, we felt pretty good at the beginning, so it was like, you know, God was probably winning on this deal. <laughs> and until you get to the place where you realize how that one little white lie you told as a child, the reality is all that did was earn you hell for all of eternity. And because of his grace and because of his love, he didn't make you pay it off because you couldn't have paid it off. He freely gave you a zero balance. See, when you experience that zero balance, it becomes so easy to give it to others. Proverbs 16 says, through love and faithfulness, sin is atoned for. Whose love and faithfulness? Jesus. Through his love and faithfulness, sin was atoned for. You were given a zero balance. Through the fear of the Lord, a man avoids evil. When a man's ways are pleasing to the Lord. Now, let me make it clear. Pleasing to the Lord doesn't mean you're doing a lot of good things. It means you're in right relationship with him. Because, again, with the Father, it's all about grace. It's not about your works. God wants you in a right relationship with him. He, he's not concerned about your works. He knows that if you get in a right relationship with him, your life will change. So don't misunderstand what pleasing to the Lord means. Look at this. He makes even his enemies live at peace with him. You, you'll still have enemies. You'll still have challenges. But you'll have peace in the midst of your enemies. That's why I love the story of Louis Zamperini. We told it this at the movie season with the film Unbroken. You know, the movie's all about this guy who survived the, the, the horror of being in a POW prison camp in Japan, being tortured and abused and, and everything else. And he survived and he came back to America. And we glorify that he came back unbroken because he was still alive. But yet, if you hear the rest of his story, he'll tell you he was very broken. 
He was suicidal. He was depressed. He was an alcoholic. He almost killed his, his wife in a nightmare rage. I mean, he was a very, he, he would have dreams of, uh, uh, nightmares of being tortured by the guys in the prison camp. He had, he had fantasies of, of revenge and going after and killing them. And then one night at a Billy Graham crusade, God gave him the gift of a zero balance. He received the gift of a zero balance. He received the fact that he was a sinner. And he needed to be forgiven. And as soon as he got his zero balance, he made it his mission to go back to Japan and search for every person that abused him and hurt him. And give them the gift of a zero balance. Because Jesus gave me a gift of a zero balance. I'm now giving you gifts of zero balance. And the nightmares went away. The alcoholism went away. The depression went away. Peace came over his life. When he began to give people the gift of zero balance. That's why King David in Psalm 23 says, God prepares a table in the presence of my enemies. Like I'm going to have peace in the presence. Remember last week, Jesus promised as long as you're on earth, you're going to have trouble. And oftentimes that trouble comes in the form of people. But the reality is, if you'll live your life giving people, and I've I've told you you weren't going to like it. But again, this is for you, not for them. When you give them a zero balance, you're not saying it wasn't a big deal. Don't misunderstand me. You're not saying that it didn't hurt. It did hurt. You're not saying that it was okay. It wasn't okay. It was wrong what they did. You're simply saying, I'm not going to hold them accountable. I'm going to give them to God so I can find peace and I can sleep at night. And some of you are struggling with this because you've gone through things at work recently where it's really difficult right now to give some people the zero balance. Some of you have gone through failed marriages over the last couple years, and it's really difficult for you right now to give that spouse a zero balance, that ex-spouse. Some of you are going through issues with brothers and sisters and family members, and it's very difficult for you to give them a zero balance. But I'm trying to pastor you, and if, you, if you'll trust me, you're going to find peace. If you'll let go and just put them in the hands of God, and if you'll give them a zero balance and, and not count their sin against them anymore, you're the one that's going to sleep like a baby. And that song will become a reality for you. Sleep in heavenly peace. Would you close your eyes with me just for a moment? For those of you struggling right now to forgive, struggling to give somebody a zero balance in your life, it could be because you've never really received that zero balance from Jesus. You've never really felt forgiven. And so what I want to do today is before we leave, I want to give anyone here an opportunity to receive a zero balance. Right now, God wants to give you the gift of a zero balance. God wants to take all of your past, all of the mess, all of, everything you regret, everything you're ashamed of, everything you wish you never did. God wants to give you a zero balance. And the beautiful thing is he'll never bring it up. He'll never remind you of it. He'll never hold you to it. He will literally forgive and forget. You will have a zero balance and you can move forward and you never have to worry about God saying, yeah, but, yeah, but, you remember this? God will never do that. He'll give you a zero balance today if you'll receive that gift from him. And that's what it means to give your life to Jesus. It's really accepting Jesus, which means accepting the gift of zero balance so that you can live for him. 
what it means to make him the Lord. See, to submit to Jesus as Lord means you're accepting the gift of zero balance. Because he can't be the Lord of your life if you're holding on to a balance. Because him being Lord means he paid for the balance and he doesn't want you to remind yourself of it and he's not going to remind you of it. He wants you to move forward in freedom. And the beautiful thing is when you receive that zero balance from Jesus, it becomes very empowering to give it. Not easy. It'll be difficult at times, but you'll be very empowered then to give the zero balance to others. So with every eye closed, if you need to receive a zero balance from Jesus today, like you, you really still feel like you owe something for whatever reason. And you just, you either, maybe this is the first time in church and, and you want to become a Christian and you've never even heard the message of a God that loves you enough to give you a zero balance. And you're like, I need Jesus. I'll say yes. Or maybe you're just in a place where for whatever reason, you just never really received it because you're still haunted by your past, you're still struggling, and you just, you, you need to feel forgiven today. You need to be reconciled today. God wants to do that for you. So I'm gonna invite you to pray with me. I'm not gonna ask you to stand up or come down to the front. You don't even have to pray this out loud. Here's the thing, you can say this in your heart today, your very first step. God will respond to your heart. He will. So if you're here and you'd like to receive that gift and, and say this prayer with me of just saying, Jesus, give me a zero balance, with nobody looking around, would you just slip up your hand very quickly so that I know who's praying with me? Thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you. Appreciate those hands. Thank you, thank you. It's going to be a great Christmas for you. Thank you. Just pray this with me. Jesus, today, will you give me a zero balance? Jesus, I admit that I'm a sinner. I admit that I need you to forgive me. Will you forgive me and give me a zero balance? Jesus, today I make a decision to live for you. I invite you to be number one in my life. And then here's the last part of the prayer. I want you to say, Jesus, thank you for giving me a zero balance. Jesus, thank you for forgiving and forgetting my past. Jesus, I thank you in advance that you will never remind me of my past and you will never hold my past against me. I have a zero balance. I am forgiven. Thank you. In Jesus' name, amen. Receive that today. Those of you that prayed with me, I want to encourage you to take one more step. On the connection card you received in your worship guide, there's two boxes. I'm committing my life to Christ. I'm renewing my commitment to Christ. That, that either means I got the zero balance for the first time or I renewed my commitment to live a life of zero balance with Jesus. That, that's basically what that means. Whatever your prayer reflects, we'd like to know about it. It's the greatest decision you'll make before you die. The absolute greatest decision you'll make before you die. It's the, it's the one decision on earth that's going to impact your eternity forever. We'd love to hear about it, pray for you. We'll also send you an email that gives you some next steps of how to live that out. Would you stand with me as we close in prayer? Father, you know my heart. I'm fighting for our church to receive peace this season, to be able to sleep at night. And God, today was very difficult. Today is not what we want to do. But we desperately need to do it for our sake. There are some people in our life, God, 
that we need to let them off the hook. We need to give them a zero balance. It, it's not saying that it was okay. It's not saying it was right. It's not saying it was a big, wasn't a big deal. It was a big deal. It wasn't right. It hurt. We're just simply saying we're not going to hold it anymore. We're going to trust you to hold it so that we can be free, so that we can sleep again, so that we can receive peace again. In Jesus' name, amen. Have a great week, everybody.